The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Anytime we open up the scripture, there's an anticipation of me for something great. I mean, that's, that's a given. You've heard me say that. I believe that with all of my heart. It's not just something that is, is cliche or kind of a transition to move from A to B. Uh, I really want to see God do great things. And, and I want to see these things in my life. I want to see these things in the lives of those that I love. I want to see these things and uh, in, in released in and through me to touch those around me. And, and it's one of the things that I think is really important to make sure that that the motive is, is present and the heart is right as we do get into the word, that it's not simply the checking off of boxes, you know, yes, we went to church today or fulfilled some kind of a, a religious duty or obligation. It's not for uh, any, uh, any of those things. It's because we really trust and believe that God's at work in our lives, that he loves us and cares about us and is releasing his word into our lives as his power to save and deliver. And uh, when we get into the word this morning, there's going to be a couple of things that I think may sound a little repetitive from messages in the past, but I want to encourage you to keep this in mind that repetition is actually a really wonderful thing. In fact, uh, it's been a, a little bit of a slogan of mine that repetition is what makes revelation a reality. And when you begin to see the things in the word, we love to have revelation come before us and, and hear new things and see new things, but until that becomes repeated or becomes repetition or routine, it, it hardly has a, a, a realistic effect in our daily uh, efforts and actions. So uh, there is a, a, a point of the day, today's message that I want to emphasize, and we're going to get into that early on, and then we're going to get through some scripture to reinforce the, uh, the how-tos and, and things such as that. As we get into the word, though, I want to give you a few things to look forward to. I like to offer these things as we get into the scripture as elements that are meant to uh, keep us engaged, maybe even provoke some interest so that you stay engaged uh, throughout the message looking for you know, the things that we're uh, presenting. They're things that we'll find in the word as we get through the message. Uh, the first thing we're going to find is why Jesus came. Now, I know there's, there's great answers to that that uh, would all apply. There might be more than one answer, but we're going to find a specific reason why Jesus came, and I think it's really worth noting. In fact, it's going to make sense to us when we see this of uh, why the world is the way it is, and we'll see that in the scripture uh, in just a moment. Uh, as we get through the word a little deeper, we're going to find a couple of other things. Uh, one, we're going to find how to never be in the dark. How to never be in the dark. Now, there's a lot of things that you could consider, and you might hear that and interpret it different ways because we're all in different, uh, you know, situations, different life experience. Uh, for me, in the dark is even kind of metaphoric for information, right? Like when you don't know what's going on, you know, well, I'm in the dark on that. Can you please enlighten me? You know, share with me the instruction or whatever. Uh, it could also mean not being able to see, right? I mean, like if, if I get up in the middle of the night and I don't turn on a light, I'm liable to bump into something that might, you know, cause pain. It's good to be able to see where you're going. So nobody wants to be in the dark, whether it means not knowing what's going on, not being able to see where to go. Nobody wants to be there. We're going to find how to never be in the dark in either one of those uh, situations. A third thing we're going to find is what is necessary for freedom. Now, let me tell you something that will expose my clay feet. I have no idea how to correctly spell the word necessary. So if you happen to walk by this podium later and glance at my notes, I confess, okay? I have no idea if that's spelled right, and honestly, I should probably just Google it and, and get it right. But one of these days, I'll get around to that. 
Uh, so the first thing we're going to find, why Jesus came. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to open up to Isaiah, the, God, or the, the uh, prophet Isaiah. We're going to look at chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Now, Isaiah chapter 9 is a wonderful chapter that comes out around the Christmas uh, season because of the, the uh, wonderful prophecies of the birth of Jesus. And uh, it, it's a wonderful thing to take a look at year-round. It would be a shame if we only pulled out this uh, chapter of Scripture uh, when the Christmas trees were up and when everyone was saying Jesus is the reason for the season. I've got news for you. Jesus is the reason. Period. So as we take a look at this passage of Scripture, just keep this in mind that, that this is a, a wonderful uh, uh, statement of why the birth of Jesus Christ. And when you consider why the birth of Jesus Christ, you can answer the question, why Jesus came? Why God uh, carried out the plan that he'd established from the foundation of time for your deliverance, for your redemption, for your empowerment, to manifest his love towards you. And I, I want to read this to you uh, from the scripture. First of all, I, I'm going to start in uh, 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 verse 2, but I want to even go back a little bit further. So pardon me and bear with me while I turn there, because you have to consider the motive for this. And when you consider the motive, you'll understand the heart behind it. I mean, listen to these words. There will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. Okay, I mean, this is now revealing the motive. The motive is to deliver one that is in anguish from all of the gloom that is the result of that anguish. That's pretty powerful to consider that God is at work to remove this anguish, this anguish that's the result of all this garbage and nonsense and hardship and rejection and abuse and neglect and all of the stuff that produces the gloom and the oppression and the depression that builds up over time that leaves people angry and bitter and filled with resentment and all kinds of just nastiness. So God is, is seeing this and saying, yeah, I don't like that. We've got to respond to that. And his designed response is something that is released that he has designed for our lives from the very beginning and is released through the coming of our King Jesus. Now, as we move a little past that, we get uh, into uh, verse 2. And we find really the reason for the gospel or why Jesus came. Now, listen to these words. A people who walk in darkness will see a great light. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. It goes on to say, and the light will shine on them. And there will be multiplication and the increase of gladness uh, as if uh, in, the, in the gladness of a harvest. It means it'll be productive and fruitful. Be filled with rejoicing. And then it goes on to say this, that Jesus will break the yoke of their burden, that burden that's upon their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. Now, I'm going to mention what that means there at the end here in a second. But I had a conversation with someone that was really interesting to me. The conversation was really basic and simple in the sense of, like, considering what's going on around you, right? I mean, you can look around this room and you see people and chairs and, you know, decorations and things like that. But the question was really, hey, if you could see past just what's natural, if you could see in the spirit, what do you think you would see? And I thought the answer was really amazingly profound because in this situation, the answer was, I think I would see a lot of darkness. Well, I thought, wow, what an incredibly, like, like spiritually accurate answer for the situation that was being discussed. Because uh, I want us to take a look at a couple things that concerns darkness and light and, and realize something that's very important, that light is never uh, the default. 
darkness is the default. I mean, if I were taking notes right now, I would write that. Darkness is the default. Light is always introduced. If you were to walk into this room without flipping that switch, it'd be dark in here. That's the default. Consider this from from the very beginning. I mean, if you go to Genesis chapter 1, in the, the beginning of creation at day one, God looks upon, you know, the earth, it's formless and, and void, and it's covered in what? Darkness. Darkness is the default. And in response to this default, God looks into this situation and speaks, let there be light. So if I'm taking notes right now, here's one of the things that I'm writing down. Light is always introduced. Darkness is always the default. When I'm walking in any part of my life and I'm aware of the darkness that's there, I'm aware that light needs to be introduced here. Light will be the, the, the foreign invader that comes in and drives out the darkness because darkness is the default and light will always be introduced from an outside source. Now, there's really great news attached to that. Jesus is the outside source. It's the reason why when we see the gospel and we say, hey, the one that sits in in anguish, the one that is suffering this gloom, will no longer suffer anguish and no longer suffer gloom. Because the one that sits in darkness, which is the default, will now have introduced into their life through Jesus a great light. It's pretty interesting, huh? You continue to read here in Isaiah and you begin to see the result of light. Multiplication and, and, and gladness and productivity and, and all of these things. These things that we all want. I mean, if I were to stand before the congregation here and say, Hey, listen, uh, how many of you would love to see God bring you know, more gladness into your life, more productivity into your life? All of these things w- would produce a positive response. I mean, I don't think anybody would be like, No, I'm good. I'm about as happy as I'd like to be. And, and I don't think I need any more joy in my life. I mean, we'd all want these things to be increased in our lives. And, and consider then now how this comes to pass. This is the introduction of light to respond to the default, which is darkness. And the re- result is this liberation from this enemy. That is, we will have the, the rod broken off of our shoulders, that burden of oppression that exists as at the Battle of Midian. Now, I told you I wanted to touch on that for a second. And it's a bit of a riddle. If you don't know history, and it is history, it's not, it's not made-up stories for bedtime. This is actual recorded human history. There's a nation called Midian, and the people would be Midianites, and these were enemies of the people of God. Now, the scripture will tell you, and if you want to find this, you'll find it in the book of Judges. Uh, you, you'll find it uh, somewhere uh, in the book of Judges. It concerns the story of Gideon and the history that uh, uh, Gideon uh, brings into uh, the, the Bible with deliverance, somewhere around Judges 6, 6 and 7. And it's worth taking the time to, to look at it in your own time. But just to re- reveal what's being spoken here in Isaiah, I think it's worth identifying what it is. What does it mean to be set free from the Midianites? What does it mean to be liberated as at the Battle of Midian? Well, here's what you'll find this, this means. The Midianites were were uh, oppressors of the people of God. Now, I'm, I'm a person of God, so the Midianites are the oppressors of the people of God. And the word says this, and you get to you know, Judges chapter 6, it says that the people of God were not doing things the way God wanted. Now, you could describe my life like that on occasion. There have been times where I have not done things the way God wanted me to do them. 
And the Midianites were present to take advantage of this. They're sitting there waiting and watching for me to step outside of the covering of God's blessing, and then bang. And here's what it says the Midianites did. It said they dug holes and caves in the mountains. So here's basically what you have. You have the people of Israel living in this fruitful valley, and you've got their enemy digging in these bunkers and mountains, just sitting and watching them, waiting for them to mess up so they can swoop in and do something. So what they would do is the Midianites would sit in these holes in the mountains, and they would watch the Israelites work. They would watch them plow the fields. Have you ever plowed a field? It's hard work. They'd watch them sow the fields. Hard work. I mean, I used to just try to keep a little garden, and let me tell you something, that little garden worked me over something fierce. Everything that I wanted to grow in that garden, I had to struggle for, and everything I didn't want to grow in that garden came naturally. Let me tell you something, there's a life lesson there. I never planted a single weed in that garden, and it produced a lot of weeds. So they would watch the, the, the people of God work. And they would let the people of God do all the work. They'd let them plow the fields. They'd let them sow the seed. They'd let them water the crop. They'd let the crop grow up. And then when it was time for harvest, when it was time for something good, something productive, something profitable, they'd come out of their caves, swoop down in a raid, and steal it all. Have you ever experienced that in your life? I'm doing all the work for this relationship to work. I'm doing all the work for this business to work. I'm doing all the work for these things to grow and to thrive. And then right about the time it's supposed to come through and deliver, bang, it's gone. This is what Jesus sets us free from. To bring the joy and the gladness and to relieve us from that burden, that oppression that existed at the battle of Midian. With a little bit of knowledge of history and a little bit of, of Bible knowledge, you apply that and you realize, wow, Jesus has set me free from those enemies that are just watching over my life, waiting for something good to happen to me so they can come in and steal it away. It makes me want Jesus to be a big part of my life. It makes me want Jesus to be foundational in every aspect of my living. Protect me from having everything good stolen away. I don't want to do all of the work and, and put in all of the effort only to have all of the, the productivity just wasted. No wonder the result is joy and gladness and celebration. So we see now why Jesus uh, comes, that we're sitting in darkness, there's gloom and there's anguish, and Jesus is set to set free all of those who would call upon his name from the anguish and the gloom that results from having everything good stolen away, from having enemies prevail over your life. Those that are sitting in darkness, suffering this, will see a great light, and the result of that great light will be freedom from those enemies, gladness and joy, celebration, prosperity, productivity. If it's good, it's on the list, and it's all because of Jesus. And it's a wonderful thing to consider that this is, is through the introduction of light. It makes me want to, to introduce that into my prayer life. Father, let light prevail today in everything that I do. Let light be introduced into my thinking, that my thoughts won't go dark. Let light be introduced into my heart, that my heart won't go dark. Let light be introduced into every situation that I would deal with, that I wouldn't deal with darkness. Because I don't want there to be any room for my enemies to prevail. I want to be liberated from that oppression, and I want the result to be gladness and joy and productivity in everything that I do. Let light be introduced into my life, so that the default darkness will go away. So 
So darkness is the default. You saw that in Genesis 1. You know, I mean, like the reason why it's light outside right now is because of the sun. The sun came up this morning, right? You can preach a message about that, the, 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 the mercies of God made new and all of these things. But consider this. When God looked upon the earth, saw the default darkness and said, let there be light. It was three days later and about a dozen scriptures later before he ever makes the stars. When God said, let there be light, the sun wasn't formed. When God said, let there be light, he's speaking of, of righteousness and, and, and joy and holiness and all that is who he is, all that is Jesus. Let that be. Let that be in response to darkness. It's not about electricity or fire. It's not about the introduction of the sunrise coming over the horizon. This is about Jesus responding to a default darkness that is void and empty and so much of what this world promises and offers is void and empty. And you come to a place where you realize that this is something that I need to notice. I need to be aware of this, that that light is introduced, that I want that introduction of the light that drives out the darkness as, as a part of my life, not just one time, hey, I'll sign up for that, Pastor, but every single day of my living. I want light introduced. And there's something that's interesting about light. I want to give you a passage of scripture here as we uh, move forward. If you have your Bibles, you can go into the gospel, gospel of John. We're going to look at verse or chapter 1. We're actually going to start in verse 1. You'll see a connection here between uh, two really wonderful and necessary things. I mean, as you see Jesus introduced to respond to a default darkness, you know, from Isaiah, that those that sit in darkness will see a great light and the result will be freedom and liberty. You'll, you'll see this magnified here in the Gospel of John. It starts about in the beginning. I mean, we were just in creation, right? God was looking at the earth. It was dark. It was void. It was nothing productive. And his response to this lack of productivity was, let there be light. He didn't cast out laziness or anything like that. He introduced light. Because without light, you can work hard, you can put in the work, you can do everything you need to do, and it can still be stolen away, just like those Midianites. Light is what we need. Uh, John 1, uh, verse 1, as you begin here, it starts off with, in the beginning, right? So now we're reconnected here with Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. And here's what we find. In the beginning was the Word. Capital W, it means Jesus. It's Jesus is the Word. You find that in Revelation. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. Apart from him, nothing came into being that has ever been created. In him was life. Now listen to this next passage of scripture. And life was the light of men. And then I want you to hear this next passage, because this next passage is really the one that floats my boat. And I hope that it does the same for you. And the light shines into the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Let me tell you what that means just in, in short, easy terms. Light wins. Light always wins. Now, this is where a little bit of repetition, because we've talked about light before. I've given this example before. I mean, I've had them kill the lights before, and I pulled out a little Zippo lighter and lit it. You could see it, right? The reason why you could see it was because it was winning. The reason why you can see anything in this room right now is because those LED bulbs are winning. That switch is flipped, those things light up, and it's winning. It's beating the darkness. 
Light always wins. I mean, if I'm taking notes right now, that's probably written in all caps and it's circled with little stars next to it. Light always wins. When I'm feeling a loss coming into my life, I know I need to put light into this somehow, some way. If light can be injected into this situation or introduced into this situation, I won't lose. I'll win because light always wins. The darkness will not overcome it. So then I have to ask myself, then, how do I get this? It's one thing to know it, but I'm telling you, when you know something, but you can't do it, that's torture. I remember, you know, meeting with some guys, and I was, I was telling them, listen, uh, uh, I feel like I'm slipping. I feel like I'm losing my sons. I feel like I'm losing my marriage. I don't have time to, to, to engage with my family as I should because of these things over here. Something's got to get cut. It's not working. And, and I remember hearing some of the advice, you know, and it was kind of like, I don't think you heard me. Some of the advice was, well, you need to spend more time with your family. And I thought, well, that's why I'm talking to you, because that's the problem. I mean, I went to the bank one time, and I was telling the banker, hey, I've got this business. We have these accounts receivable. You know, there's a lot of money owed to us. It hasn't come in yet. I need just a little bit of cash to keep things moving. You can see here that these bills, once they're paid, will be in great shape. And the banker looked at me and said, hey, Fix your cash flow issue and then come back and see us and we'll be happy to make you a loan. And I thought, buddy, that's the most ridiculously stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. I came danger close to saying that to him. But you know what? I think he already knew. I mean, we deal with stuff where, where you have all of these challenges and problems and it's hard to find the answer to these things. And, and when you know what you need to do, but you don't have the means to do it, it's absolute torture. I know what I need. I know what my family needs. I know what that business needs. I know what all this needs, but I, I'm not able to do it. It makes it really challenging. It creates a, a sense of frustration. And if we were to talk about light, if I were to sit here and tell you all the ways that you need light in your life, and everything would be great if you just had light, but then never told you how to actually get that into your life, all it would do is magnify all the things that are nasty, all the things that are gross, all the things that, that produce gloom and anguish. And it would actually make a matter worse. And when I read in the scripture that people heard Jesus preach and they said, wow, he preaches as one that has authority. I don't just think that means he was real demonstrative. You know, Adolf Hitler was demonstrative. When he preached as one that had authority, it means not only do we, we hear what he's saying, but he tells us how to do it. There's power behind it. We know how to take this and apply it to our lives and do it and get good results. We want to listen to that guy teach. Not just so he talks about how stupid we are, or how bad things are, but he teaches us how to get smarter, stronger, better, be more productive, how to do it. That's the guy that speaks with authority. So that's what I want to do now. It's one thing to realize that, that light is always introduced, that the default is always darkness, and it's another thing now to know how to get light. You'll find it here in John chapter 8. I want to give you this passage of scripture from John chapter 8 and we're going to look at verse 12 it's Jesus speaking and I've always told you whenever you're reading Jesus speaking it's, it's good to put yourself in the position of, of being the one that he's speaking to when I read these words I, I like to consider that these aren't just spoken to a crowd and it wasn't just written down so that I could read it and gain a little bit of knowledge from it but rather Jesus is speaking these words directly to me So John chapter 8, verse 12 says, Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Did you catch how he identified himself? 
Now, we read through this as, as, you know, Americans here in the West, and we just think, wow, that's poetic. But you've got to understand, he's speaking to the Israelites. He's speaking to a people who have read that passage from Isaiah their entire life, knowing that there will be a people who are in gloom and anguish that sit in a great darkness, and then a great light will shine upon them. When they hear Jesus stand before them and say, I am the light of the world, it makes perfect sense. This is the Messiah. This is the one who will shine upon us in our gloom and our anguish, who will drive out darkness, who will break that rod that's been upon our backs from our enemies that have come in and stolen everything that we've worked so hard for. This is the light. As he stands and he speaks these words, remember he's speaking to you, I'm the light of the world. Now listen to this instruction. He who follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. There's your how-to right there. Not just to know that darkness is the default and light is the answer, but here's how you get it. Follow Jesus. Everything that's in the gospel, you see Jesus dealing with problems, situations. You find relational issues. You find financial issues. You find all kinds of, of challenges and all kinds of people issues. I have said as a pastor for 20 years, and there have been times that I've been comforted by passages of Scripture where Jesus has people stand up and walk out on him. And I've thought, God, thank you for putting that in the Bible. Because now I don't feel like such a loser. I'm serious. I've said that. It's pretty interesting, huh? <laughs> I've had meetings before where I've thought, man, I'm glad Jesus spoke to 12 on occasion. I mean, you just see all of these things and you realize that all this stuff is stuff that people deal with and that, that they, they face and that they fight. And Jesus has all of this in his life and you can see now how he deals with it. That's why I love the gospel and you love to read the gospel. How did Jesus deal with this? And if I can see how Jesus dealt with this and then I can follow in the way he did it, I'm going to get a pretty good result. In fact, the result the Bible promises is that I'll have the light of life. I can follow his lead by his instruction. Now, it's a shame that there are denominational divides among Christianity as to whether or not God speaks to you. I can tell you he speaks to me. I hope he speaks to you. I hope you hear him loud and clear. God's constantly giving us direction. In fact, there are things that are so obvious that even the world has to attempt to explain it with elements like your conscience. You know, medically speaking, if you were to, to do, you know, some kind of a, a dissection of me, you could find all kinds of things. You would find all the biological things, my heart and my kidneys and my liver and all of those things. You'd never find my conscience. But yet even the world will acknowledge that there is the presence of some awareness of right and wrong. Uh, yeah, could it be the Holy Ghost? Uh, I think so. God is leading us and guiding us as a loving father who wants to, to lead us in the direction that's prosperous and that's healthy and that's of him and of righteousness and holiness and all of the good things that, that he's called us to. Not because he has some kind of an ego issue and, and wants to win some kind of combat with the devil. That's done. It's because he loves you and he wants your life to be prosperous and productive and, and, and joy-filled. That's why he's speaking and leading. And, and we have a great sense of what's right and what's wrong. 
There's a reason why we feel things like embarrassment or even shame when certain things take place. And by the way, shame is a tool used by the devil. But conviction is a tool used by the Holy Ghost. You know, shame is when something is done and it's hidden away. We don't talk about that. We don't bring that up. But conviction is what opens the door for something to be exposed and confessed and dealt with. If we start to find that we're dealing with shame, we need to deal with what's going on there, and we need to introduce some light, expose some things, and turn that shame into the wonders and the power of conviction. It's a good thing. I want to move on so we don't get hung up on all these things. So here's, here's what we need to understand. It, it, light, obviously, is always introduced. D the default is darkness. Without Jesus, my thoughts go dark. Without Jesus, I'm, I'm a, a, a very aggressive, very angry person. Without Jesus, I'm a very dirty man. Without Jesus, there's all kinds of nastiness. The default is darkness. But with Jesus, with the introduction of light, there's freedom from all the gloom and all of the anguish. There's the open door for all the joy and all of the rejoicing and all the prosperity and all the productivity. I begin to see things differently. I begin to behave differently. I speak differently and I perform differently all because of the introduction of light. And once that light is introduced, it has an effect. It begins to expose the traps and the, the nonsense and the dysfunction that exists in this world. And it opens up the door for us to be like Jesus, to do the things that we're called to do. I want to give you a passage of scripture here that is going to be the, the passage of scripture that we move through to, to close out the message here. Ephesians chapter 5, I want to read verses 8 and 9. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. It, it's, it's going to speak of what it means to walk in light. Ephesians 5, 8, and 9. Here's how it opens up, and I love that it opens up this way. Uh, it's speaking to Christians, right? It's speaking to believers. This is written for, for those that are, are, are walking in the direction that God's called them to walk, that they have responded to the gospel. I mean, this isn't written to you know, pagans and atheists, this is written to Christians. And when it's written to Christians, it says this, you were formerly darkness, but now you're light in Jesus. Uh, it's an interesting thing to consider that it's not like, hey, you used to be in the dark, but now you're in the light. But rather, this is not a, a statement of your current conditions. This is a statement concerning your current identity. It doesn't say you were in the dark, but now you're in the light. It says you were darkness, and now you are light. Good timing there. And then it gives this instruction. Walk as children of the light. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in Jesus. So walk as children of the light. And then it goes on to talk about what that would mean talks about what light produces. When light is an active part of your life, when light is radiating from you in all of your words and your actions, your choices and decisions, your thoughts, the result is as follows. The fruit of light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. These are the three things that light produces. The fruit of light, meaning like wherever there's light, this is going to be the product of it. This is going to be the result of it. Kind of like you plant an apple tree, it makes apples. You bring light into a situation, you get goodness, you get righteousness, you get truth. 
goodness and righteousness and truth. Anytime we've ever talked about goodness, righteousness, and truth, I've thrown these passages of Scripture out there, and I'd like to do that before we close just because I think it's worth throwing them out there. Uh, Goodness is identified as a really wonderful and powerful thing. You'll find it in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, as Jesus is being discussed, as Jesus is being spoken of. Now, a message is being preached, and in this message, Jesus is being spoken about, and it, it, it sounds like this, Acts 10, 38. Now, you know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power and how he went about then doing good. Well, there's your goodness. Now, here's what goodness looks like. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. When I'm bringing light into a situation, I'm bringing goodness into that situation. And goodness means the freedom from the oppression of a liar, a deceiver, a cheater, a thief, the devil. I want to bring goodness into every situation that I face. I want to bring light. And then you get to righteousness, right? And and I think it's a really interesting thing to consider righteousness. Now, our righteousness is founded upon Jesus, who is the light and who has made us the light. Here's an interesting passage of Scripture as it concerns righteousness, in my opinion. Romans 8.10. Romans 8.10. It reads like this. Uh, If Christ is in you, I mean, like if you're a believer... Even though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now, it might sound like, well, what is the, where are you going with that? But consider the wonders of that cause and effect. The spirit is alive because of righteousness. The effect here is a living spirit. It's life. The cause, Righteousness. And if righteousness is one of the results of me bringing light into a situation, it means there's going to be life brought into that situation. Life, in any way that you want to look at it, I mean, I've seen uh, relationships die. I've seen deals die. I've seen all kinds of things die that could have had life injected into them and live. And if life is injected through the introduction of light to drive out darkness, then I want to introduce light so that there can be life. All through righteousness. I'll give you another passage of scripture here as it concerns truth. And I know we're running short on time. Uh, John 8, 31 and 32. I mentioned to you before that we were going to find uh, what's necessary for freedom. And I confessed my poor spelling of necessary. What's necessary for freedom in John 8, uh, verses 31 and 32. It reads like this. If you continue in my word... You're truly disciples of mine. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What's necessary for freedom? Truth. Where do I get truth? Well, truth is one of the products of light. If the fruit of light, or what light produces, is goodness, righteousness, and truth, then for me to have the truth introduced into my life that results in freedom I need to have light introduced into my life. Father, bathe my life in light so that every aspect of my living might know light and have the goodness and the righteousness and the truth that is produced by your light prevail over all of my enemies. That I can be free from the oppression of the devil. That I can walk with my spirit alive and that I can know the true meaning of freedom not just not being bound by people's rules and being rebellious, but to actually be liberated from my oppressor. 
the wonderful thing. And then you have this that I want to close with, this result of, of light and the response to darkness, that Jesus is the response to darkness. In the same way, uh, from the beginning, darkness was the default and God introduced light. In my life, darkness is the default and God introduces Jesus. You want to know why God introduces Jesus? Because he's eternal, was, is, and is to come. You can have a lot of counselors, a lot of people that are a big part of your life to help you, but who's to say they'll be here tomorrow? I mean, I I've, I've want to live my life as, as if there's not a tomorrow. I want to do everything I can do today for those that are around me because tomorrow is not guaranteed. But what we have as a guarantee is an eternal source of light. That light that will produce the goodness that we desperately need, the righteousness that we desperately need, and the truth that we desperately need. And then what are we supposed to do with that? You let it shine. I want to give you a passage of scripture. We're closing with this. And uh, Matthew chapter 5, I want to read verses 14 and 15 to you. I need to turn there myself. Do you remember when Jesus spoke earlier and identified himself as the light? I'm the light of the world. Listen to how he speaks as it concerns you, all because of his work in and through you. Beginning in verse 14 of Matthew 5, you, are the light of the world. Like a city that sits upon a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp just to hide it, but they light that lamp so that it can give light to, our, to all who are around. I mean, God has put light inside of you for a reason, inside of me for a reason, so that that light can shine through my life, the words that I speak, the things that I do, and provide light to those who are around me. It's meant to be the most effective and productive and contagious element of God releasing goodness, righteousness, and truth into this world since the, the, the incarnation of the Word, since the birth of Jesus. And for you and for me, that call is not only to have God's light be a part of our life for our well-being, but to be God's light for the well-being of those around us. And I can think of no greater evangelistic tool than for the people of God to not only have the light of God in their lives, but to be the light of God for those around them, bringing goodness, freedom from the oppression of the devil, righteousness, life to the spirit, and truth, complete freedom and liberty into the situations and circumstances that we fight and deal with. Darkness is always the default. Light is always introduced. That tells me for me, light is always a choice. And as for me and as for you, we should choose light. I'll ask you to stand with me this morning. As you stand, have you ever noticed in situations where you feel provoked, that your first reaction is generally pretty dark because darkness is the default. 
But if you can pause, and rather than react, you can respond with an intentional action. You see, that really is the introduction of light or the opportunity to choose light. To not just roll with what comes naturally, but to wait and make room for what God has brought into our lives supernaturally to be released. You got a room filled with problem solvers right here. A room filled with people that carry the goodness and the righteousness and the truth to be introduced into any kind of dysfunction and bring about what is right, what is just, what is fruitful and productive and what results in joy and rejoicing and celebration and productivity. It's never been hard for me to read passages of scripture like Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. The struggle has always been when I read that he says, you are the light of the world. But I want to trust and believe that he's not saying that just with wishful thinking. I hope this group gets it together because I've got a lot riding on this. But that he says it because he's seen the end from the beginning. And he knows the work of God that's taking place in our hearts in great detail. And just feel it in the air. That God's at work doing wonderful things. Making room for light to be introduced where there's darkness. And the wonderful truth is that darkness will not win. But light wins. I want to pray this morning for us. I want to pray for all of us collectively. Everyone in a different place, in a different set of experiences and life uh, uh, issues and challenges but one answer and that answer is Jesus you're welcome to be in a state of agreement or, or simply receiving however you choose but I want to pray over us all today before we dismiss Father we thank you for light that you wouldn't leave us in darkness you wouldn't abandon us to wander around blindly but that you would illuminate the way and let the way be Jesus. Open our eyes to see the work that you've done all because you love us, that you wouldn't leave us in sorrow and anguish, but that we who have set in darkness would have shine upon us a great light. Let that light be embraced and welcome. Let it wash over everything that we are and drive out everything dark. And let a way be open for goodness and righteousness and truth to not only be a part of our lives, but to be released through our lives for your glory. We give you thanks for the wonderful call and the great manifestation of your love. We receive your love. And we ask for this wonderful and powerful work to be magnified in our lives and through our lives for your glory. Let Jesus be introduced and let darkness be driven out. We give you thanks and we rejoice in you. We say thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.